0: Data, artificial intelligence, the metaverse, crypto and web 3, and quantum computing are just a few of the technology innovations that are changing the way we live, work, and experience the universe. I am your host, Ganesh Patmanabhan, and this is Stories in AI, a podcast where we explore the various facets of technologies like AI, its impact on individuals, organizations, and the society. You will hear from a variety of experts and practitioners, their personal stories, their best practices, and advice to put technology to work. I hope you enjoy this engaging conversations. Now before we begin, a note about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Experian, whom you may know as the Consumer Credit Bureau. But they are at heart a data company. When you're buying a car or home, sending your kids to college, or borrowing to grow your business, Experian is most likely helping you behind the scenes. They unlock the power of data to make better decisions, get access to financial services, and to prevent crime, unlocking a whole world of opportunities for individuals and organizations. Find out more at Experian.com. In today's episode, I have a very special guest. He is as awesome as Austin, Texas. It's William Hurley, or Worley. Now, Worley is the founder and CEO of Strangeworks. He's also a co-founder and a general partner at Ecliptic Capital, which is a venture capital firm. And Worley has got many, many, many accolades in his belt. He is uh, an Eisenhower fellow. He's also a senior member of the IEEE. He was part of the founding part of the Sun Entrepreneurship Student Program. He was a recipient of the IEEE Entrepreneur Achievement Award for Leadership. And he was a co-founder with the United Nations and UN Movement of the Equals Group. Now, Worley is now famously known for the man who's democratizing quantum computing and making it accessible for everybody. And in this episode, we talk about quantum the intersection of quantum and machine learning, and the world as it will be when quantum becomes accessible and a reality for everybody. Take a listen. Worley, welcome to Stories in AI. How are you today?
1: I am doing well. It's good to see you again. I think it's been a few years since we've chatted.
0: (laughs) It's been a long time and I've been looking forward to this conversation and Why don't we get started with who is Worley and, you know, tell me your story, your backstory and how you got into what you're doing right now, the whole the whole game.
1: Man, that guy is a bum. Do we have to talk about him? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, No, look, I uh, look, I think at this point I've told this story a lot. So started in a band, got in a bad accident, band moved on without me. Ended up answering phones at Apple Computer in the early 90s, around 93, 94 uh, worked my way through managing training programs and R D and then left there for IBM in, in 1997. Spent 2000 to 2009 bouncing between big companies and startups. Listened to big companies talk about all the problems with startups and startups talk about all the big problems uh, <laughs> at big companies. And decided there could be a blended model and started my first startup uh, called Chaotic Moon in uh, March of 2010. And that went well and sold to a Century. We had a spin out that was sold to Zynga and then in 2015, I did you know my, my second or third, depending on how you want to count it, startup uh, in uh, the retirement saving space because we have one marketable skill: we write really good software. It doesn't matter what it is. That, that's that's our that's our talent. And so uh, so that was acquired by Goldman Sachs on its first one year anniversary, which was astounding. That was
0: uh, awesome.
1: You know, story that'll probably never happen again in a million years. Um, and uh, needed something to do that was that was bigger. It was better. And I had biohacking, robotics, and quantum on my little, what could be next planner that I keep, uh, and I update, you know, every six months. And um, robots, you know, they're not here yet. You see how many times Boston Dynamics has been sold and traded hands and everything. But biohacking, obviously gonna be heavily federally regulated. I just got out of a regulated industry. I was not looking forward to spending the majority of the money on that, yeah. And I looked at quantum and I looked at my kids and I thought you know, about the environment and I thought about diseases and I thought about all of these things. And I thought, you know, this is something that I'm not going to win an Nobel prize for a, some discovery. I'm not going to write the next greatest algorithm or whatever, but but we're really rural possession, really, really well positioned as a team to write uh, the software on which other people can build those tools and other people can can do these world changing things, and I thought that'll be our little part in contributing. And um, we started as a Linux Foundation project. Uh, didn't get a lot of support. A lot of the industry at the time was, you know, they're going to be the one that owns everything. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, my friends, I said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "Well, we we'll gonna start another company." Got the same group of guys and gals together, and you know, we're starting again, except this time with about a twenty year plan. Uh, that we're about five years into. So we're about a quarter into our plan for you know how we want to build the company. We're still smaller than everybody in the industry, right There's 15 of us. We only took four million in our initial funding so we haven't raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, but we know how to build and scale startups and build and scale software and we're just sitting here doing our own thing on our own timeline and uh, hopefully starting to help a lot of people out there get into quantum, get it you know more accessible, uh, get it more inclusive, because um, you know our first slogan was humanizing quantum, so that was kind of the the idea. Yeah. There was to, to kind of you know quantum for for all the people, if you will.
0: That's that's awesome. I think um, you know fascinating background. By the way, I think I, the the part that the audience will probably read about if you actually Google Worley and, and and Austin, right? Keep Austin Worley is what I think it was. <laughs> uh, who said that? Was it? Um, um...
1: I. I, I... I don't remember. I think it was Bob Metcalf or Hugh Forrest. Or it was Hugh Forrest the thing. I think it knew. was Hugh, which is a, you know, wow. Okay, thanks, you. No coming pressure, from right? The guy
0: who puts together, song <laughs> by song, that's a right? amazing yeah. thing, right? So yeah, there's so much, you know, and then just like, you know, you, there's so much color in your background and, and you're, you know, not literally, but I'm saying just there's so much richness in this thing. And it's an amazing mission you're on to humanize quantum, making this powerful, Really nebulous technology accessible to everybody. So talk about that. Let's start with quantum. What the hell is quantum computing? And why should we all well, care?
1: So, you know, my personal opinion, and I'm assuming most of the audience may not know. And so I've got my handy dandy coin, right? No, no sleight of hand tricks. I can try to make it, but I'd probably I'd suck. Um, you know, think of classical computing, the iPhone, uh, your, your Android phone, all the way to create a supercomputer. Being like this coin, having a heads, this blue side, and tails, this white side. If I put it in my hand, you know, tails up. If I flip it over, it's heads up. So this is a one, that is a zero. And in that two dimensional plane, it can only be those things. I take the same coin, I flip it in the air. And when it's at the apex of that spin, is it a tails or is it a heads? And the answer is it's in a quantum superposition of some probability of one or zero, much like a twin cost until I catch it and I measure it and collapse that state. I don't know if it's a one or a zero.
0: Mm. Why is that
1: Why is that important that it's probabilistic? It's important because if I have four qubits, uh, four bits rather, I have 16 mm. outcomes. I can be in any one of those outcomes at one moment in time. But if I have four qubits, I still have 16 outcomes, but I can be in all of those outcomes simultaneously in, in this quantum world. And so obviously that means the power curve uh, grows exponentially. Unlike a bit where I have four and I add five, and now I have, I go from 16 to 25. Now I have four and I add five and I have two to the end, the number of bits, right? So that everything increases exponentially. And, and it's, you know, it, it, you're, you're getting other things like polynomial, polynomial speedups and things like that. And it's really super, super valuable because let's face where we are with computers. Uh, we kind of stopped with the supercomputing and started building Facebooks and and you know Instagrams and TikToks and we're not really doing any really exciting stuff to make the world a better place uh, as a tech industry for for quite a while. There's been a few projects, but now we're seeing more SpaceXs, right? We're seeing more. Uh, you know, we want to go to Mars and we want to cure cancers and want to do stuff. But well, we don't have the compute power to do it. It's not that classical computers couldn't do it. It's that a classical computer, the evaluation time for it to do it might take. Tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands, or millions, or hundreds of millions of years, and so we need a different form of computing to help us get to those answers. But they go together, right? There's not a classical versus quantum. Uh, I know a lot of people in quantum are starting to call classical vintage computing, which I think is <laughs> is, a, is an obvious slam. But but vintage computing isn't going anywhere, and you're not going to have a quantum processor in your phone anytime soon. So you know this is a this is something you want to look at. I compare it to trains and and, and airplanes. You used to cross the continental United States from New York to San Francisco. The journey took months. Maybe somebody died. Who knows? They could have gotten eaten. Whatever. It was weird. You now you got a train system. It takes about a week and it's safe and you can use the bathroom on the train and all this good stuff. Well, no matter how far you go, you eventually reach an ocean. So think of that ocean as the ocean of computational complexity that we're facing right now in life sciences and material sciences and things of that nature, energy products and new forms of energy, right? And so what do we have? We have planes. So you don't take a train from Austin to Japan, right? You take a plane, but you can take a train in Austin. You can still take a train in Japan, right? We didn't get rid of them. So think of quantum computing as this augment of classical computing that is the first in a series of new exotic computing technologies. I believe you'll see quantum, you'll see different types of neuromorphic. We're gonna talk, I'm sure, about ML and AI and QML and all of that stuff. All of these things will start creating new forms of computing. Eventually, we'll have DNA-based storage, DNA-based computers, things of this, you know, as we move closer and closer to nature. So you look at it, you say, look, we split the atom to destroy, we split the atom to create energy, and now we're splitting the atom to create computational power, right? That that is is a way oversimplified, and physicists everywhere just cringed when I said that. But, (laughs) but, you know, I think that's a a fair way to, to look at it, in my opinion.
0: Interesting. So let me let me break this down, right? So you 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 it's the quantum computing is a new way of actually solving problems. It gives you the superpowers to, of speed, being able to you know represent data in a slightly different format in a way that you can compute faster, more efficiently than having to burn all things. So as a result, you can actually get to results quicker. Well, think of that plane train example, right? Mm-hmm. So
1: trains can't fly. Right. So is a a plane faster than a train? Yeah. But is that also a fair comparison to say, you know, to compare plane? So when you think about classical versus quantum, maybe think of it different. It's not going to make the cat video on the internet faster. But if we took like, you know, the classical traveling salesperson problem, Michelle Simmons, uh, I think is probably the first person to use. A lot of people used it. I I use it as well. Yeah. Uh, But when you you look at it, um, you know, say we want to go to 14 cities, the most optimized path. Okay, my laptop will do that in a few thousand seconds. Okay, go from 14 to 22, a different of only eight, that same laptop takes a few thousand years. Go to 28, 30, 40 cities, it takes longer than the time of the known universe, right? So it's it's faster, but we have to change the way that we talk about and and the way that we perceive speed. And uh, I'll give you a link for. uh for an article but a couple of years ago because I was very frustrated with everybody um uh, you know that was that was that was basically uh, oh they're faster it's gonna crush encryption it's gonna be that, all of this i wrote a tech piece uh, a check crunch article called stop limiting quantum computing to speed where i talked about like how you should think about it it's yeah. uh, yes it's faster it's faster but it's like saying wow you know the spacex BFG is going to be so much faster than my 94 Corolla. And it's like, right, but you shouldn't compare those things.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair. On the one hand, definitely it's fair. But what I'm also trying to understand what you're saying is it is a best fit for a class of problems that otherwise would Mm -hmm. be really hard to solve. Like totally see a. It is,
1: whether people want it or not, it should probably look at as a special purpose device. It's a special, you know, we got different forms of calculators and we have this new form of computational science, and it does these things really, really well that other things that we currently have don't allow us to do, or don't allow us to do in any kind of time that we, sure. you know, but, into any kind of scale.
0: But isn't that also a point in time point of view, right? Meaning, like if, let's say sure. everybody does their job well, and this becomes the form, like we were completely satisfied with, you know, our, our uh, you know, the, the, the cable modems and, uh, you know, yeah. your, your cell phone modems, if you will, browsing the internet. I click on hotmail.com and wait for 15 minutes and was okay with that. <laughs> Not anymore, right? Yeah. So, yeah,
1: but, but, but you have to think about, you know, this gets into the paradox of computational advancement. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, you could, we all know the story about the IBM CEO saying, I think there's a market for at least four computers in the entire world or whatever <laughs> thing he said. And, and it's fun to look back and say, wow, that guy really liked vision with the benefit of hindsight, right? Like it's so easy to do that. But, it, but, but what you're hitting on falls less, it is a moment in time. And it's a very important moment in time. And the area I would stress you to focus on is not what we are just talking about from the moment of time view, but from the following. 1963, the integrated circuit is starting to take off, invented in 1959 by Jack Kilby. Jack Kilby made the integrated circuit. Why? Because before that, you bought transistors one at a time to Mm -hmm. build anything. You'd be like, I need 12 transistors, right? So integrated circuit kind of started the the modern day information revolution, started the stuff we're doing. So think of it as a moment in time, but don't think about the speed thing or the usage thing. Think about its impact on humanity, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care about using a quantum computer to do a quantum Monte Carlo for a finance company. Or for better drug discovery, I don't want better drug discovery. I want to eliminate disease. I don't yeah. want better bat- battery chemistry. I want completely new forms of travel we've never dreamed of. And so, if you look at 1963, and you think nobody was looking at autonomous cars or AI or any of the things that we're going to talk about in this in this call, and that wasn't that long ago, right? I mean, it seems like a long time ago. That was really that long ago. Yeah, the grand scale of things. It was a blink of the eye. Now look at 2023 and say, I believe 2023 is the starting gun for yet another revolution. So industrial age, information age, quantum age. And so now, you know, the excitement isn't, the excitement isn't, is it faster than a classical computer at doing a thing? That's a stupid, way you know, to argument to have. The, the, the way to talk about it is there are a bunch of things it's capable of that nothing we've ever had in our computational arsenal could even remotely do. What are all the amazing things people like you and people to this are going to imagine and build? They're going to change the world further than we can ever imagine. Because if you just went back 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, think of all the technologies we have now that 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 weren't here. And yep. then think of all the technologies that we were dependent upon that no longer exist. Yeah, no,
0: no. I, I 20, thought-
1: 20, 20 years ago, you still had CDs Yep. and you loved them and you were buying them up. Right. That's true. I mean, so, so, so maybe a, a better perspective is to think about it for that. The speed doesn't matter is my point. Yep. What matters is the capability, yep. right? We shouldn't be talking about speed. We should be talking about computationally. What can it do that we've never thought of doing the, the before? Complexity be of problems,
0: of the, the scale of problems, the complexity yeah, sure. of problems and so forth. Uh, so, so that, you know, break that down for me a little bit, like give me some examples of these class of problems and also explore why it's not possible to solve that with everything that we have in our computational arsenal. You made that example So look, that's a a great, problem,
1: right? look, there's there's a great there's a bunch of great examples. Let's let's take it back a step for our audience and think about this. Um, you can talk about you know NP, and plus R, BQP, all these stuff. Yeah. Uh, or you can frame it in the context of, of of this. Um computers have done us really, really right for, yeah. for the last, you know, since yeah. like the Apollo mission, right? Yeah. Everybody likes to take their phone and say this phone is more powerful than what we landed on the moon with right yeah. And now we have insane computational power. We have insane algorithms that can run over data. we're producing more data every second that we're on this. I mean think of the think of this recording and how many gigabytes of this recordings going to be and then go back go back 10 years at the size of an average hard drive. Now, go back 20 years and think like you would have been filling up a, a supercomputer 20 years ago, right? I or something. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I, mean, I mean, probably not that much. Right? There's an obvious exaggeration, but think about things in perspective. So now think about okay, what do these problems look like? What does a practical application look like? Life sciences, oh my gosh, there's so many opportunities. Yeah. Material sciences, Elon wants to go to Mars. I don't think he's going to finish the journey without using some quantum computer in some way right? You want to have autonomous vehicles everywhere. How are you going to come up with all of the probabilities of routing them and the traffic and all the things, you know? So it's, it's just a, it's, it's a new area. And I hate that we're calling classical classic and, and quantum quantum. There. It, it, it should be, it, it, there, there should be a, I've heard advanced compute, non-traditional compute, next gen. I think of it as exotic computing. Uh, and I think if you don't think the physics of a quantum Great. computer are exotic, then you're then you're crazy right because yeah. it seems seems really exotic to me <laughs> when i'm, when I'm looking is. at them but but you want to say okay what do we apply this for what's a practical world advanced example like volkswagen has been using this to do autonomous vehicle routing uh you know uh um, frankfurt's been using it to route 170,000 passengers across 280 gates every 24 hours um you know are they dependent upon it is it running all the time no, and it doesn't have to. Stop trying to make quantum computers work like classical computers, right? If there was one quote I could have people remember, it would be like stop trying to take your your ideas. Think of this like we just got this new amazing technology delivered right into the palm of our hand and, and it's coming. Okay. And and let's say that it's 1963 and I have an iPhone, right? and I'm like, man, this thing is the greatest camera ever. Or I'm like, this holds the window exactly six inches open, and the breeze is amazing. That's how I see people trying to use quantum computers today. It's like, right, but does that thing connected to the internet? There's like an infinite amount of information oh, by the way, you can do insane calculations on this thing, et cetera, et cetera. Like stop trying to limit what quantum computing represents the future of humanity. It represents fixing this planet before we leave it. It represents taking care of water and food supply issues, potentially. Think of the chemical composition of fertilizer, how much we could improve on fertilization products, which will grow more food in areas maybe where people don't have enough food. Think of those kind of things. Like if you want examples, that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about, like fertilizer chemistry for agriculture, thinking about new drug discovery? No, I'm thinking about how to use things like CRISPR, find out what you could actually put into somebody and now they don't have a disease. Maybe there's some things we don't know that could be reversed. I mean, how mind blowing would it be for you to see uh, some doctor somewhere thanks to a quantum algorithm have been able to find some sort of molecular bond and they use something like CRISPR and they fix somebody that has a uh, thing that otherwise is completely debilitating. How much has that change the world? How much does food supply change the world? How much does the environment change the world, right? This is this is what we should be focused on. And the class of problems, I don't think we've identified yet. Because while we might be able to take those problems and relate them to, oh, it's like an MP or MP plus art or just that, there's a delineation point in quantum where it becomes real. And everything after it is the wild, wild west, in my opinion. It's like 1963. It's like the seventies. It's like the homebrew compute club. It's like the ma- days of the mainframe where Cray, where Cray was like, man, we're going to use this for science, right? Or, you know, all this. This is, this is, we're about to hit a, the biggest reset button in the history of computing. And everybody's treating it like an opportunity to go make some money at a startup or, you know, win a Nobel Prize or do this or that. And they're missing the big picture, which is the entire world as you know it. Is about to change forever, and how it changes depends on how much we're paying attention and what we're doing with that technology right now. In my opinion,
0: it's a no, it's, super, it's fascinating. Super
1: opinionated stance. Sorry, no, no,
0: but it's very. I mean, the one thing I really uh, appreciate you you spending the time to stress on is the fact that this is where we're you know this is going to change everything, and the fact that you should think about it less about another leap in compute power and more in terms of an opportunity to solve some of the unsolved problems that humankind has ever had. That's right, right. that's Um, right. Why haven't we solved it so far and what's different today and what needs to happen for this to be successful?
1: Well, look, there's a million reasons we haven't solved a lot of of problems, right? Uh, There's geopolitical uh, problems, right? There's there's cultural problems. There's all of these different divides. Uh, But if you look at it from a purely computational standpoint, there are a whole new class of problems awaiting to advance scientific discovery. And these problems are not uh, solvable with the current jolt set we have. It'd be the equivalent of me going back to when the Abacus was the leading computer on Earth and being like, hey, let me tell you about the human genome, right? (laughs) So if you have one billion of these devices, I could kind of shit, right? It's a capability problem yeah, yeah. right it's just a new form and, and think about the internet when we had the internet how it exploded how many things yeah. and now you've got you've got all of these different the same things that come out of quantum information science not just in computing but in sensors it, you know in in in
0: um, all the stuff that they want the way do you think about the problem solving yeah
1: quantum information science is going to bring a whole new it heralds a whole new age and i just see too many people looking at it as like we're going to build this new thing that does this thing that other people already do. We're going to sell it. And then we're rich. And it's like, you're missing the entire point of being involved in quantum computing.
0: So, so, so if we believe in the mission, that the the big um, opportunity to completely, you know, hit that reset button and, and solve problems that we never even imagined that we could solve. It also means that there is an ecosystem of capabilities that needs to be developed, right? Everything from, being able to build a quantum computer to understanding how to think about these problems to translating our knowledge that we have in classical world to a quantum world and you know just it's this is this is not just like one flip switch and it's going to happen right like you said no no it's
1: it's not but but you know look putting more money into a project doesn't make it go faster yeah. Putting more people on a project doesn't necessarily make you go faster. But when it comes to the brainstorm of scientific discovery, the first step, the what ifs, mm-hmm. the more people we have putting inputs into what ifs, Got right the, 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 the better. And so you know, look, we still don't teach basic computer science in a lot of the uh, schools around the world, yep. okay? And we barely teach maths and core stuff, and so what I'm saying is this: this extends beyond it. You know, what do we need to be thinking of? We need to be thinking of, you know, and I and I always joke about it, but like we wrote quantum computing for babies for a I reason. Have that. Yeah, I, I have. I that. know, but we've but we wrote this for a reason, and part of the reason that we wrote that is is extremely important that we start. And it was yes, it was kind of done and fun. But there's a serious message behind it, which is like we need quantum information science taught in high schools here in the states. And worldwide we need physics taught more in middle schools we need more cs stuff taught you know and 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 we really you you think of the talent shortage we had at the beginning of kind of the information age how many people knew how to use a computer or just excel or whatever and now sure. you've ampl- amplify that dramatically and you say oh by the way this could be what saves the planet from extinction. So, it sounds more important than Excel. So, maybe we should be spread that knowledge around make and getting that, a lot more people that, right. involved. Yeah, uh,
0: you know, it's it's interesting. You know, it's 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 like you said, like fifteen years from now, twenty years from now, you'll look back at this moment saying, "Duh, it was stupid for us to not to pay attention to it." Right. So, you know, That's right. make, make this real for me uh, and for the audience. Right. One, you know, why? Where is the industry today? what can you do with quantum computing capabilities that's that are great, there? great question. Uh, and then two, you know, again, you kind of answered, why should you pay attention? The question that I have is like, how should, what should they do right now? With where the that,
1: that's, right? two awesome great questions. So your first question is like, okay, what can you do? So I'll, I'll tell you a little story. When we started Strangeworks, I used to say, we write software for computers that don't exist. And I think I will hold, no matter what any physicist in the world or any computer science says, I will hold true that if you go back five years, they weren't even close to being computers, right? Um, <laughs> and there's an argument that they were and blah, blah, blah. But sure, sure. I, I, don't, I don't believe – I'm not buying that. So then you fast forward a couple of years into the kind of life cycle strange Strangeworks. I had to change that. Say, well, they're not computers. They're more like really good equipment for exploring the quantum landscape. Because they made a lot – I mean, when we started – you're talking about seven to 17 qubits. Two years later, you're talking about about 127. Next year, IBM will announce an 1100 qubit machine. So where is it today? Today, is it in the perfect place? I believe that the starting gun for quantum is 2023. At some point during that year, you are gonna see a much bigger uptake in quantum. Here's the other thing I believe. I don't believe any of us are ready for it in the way that we should be. And so what can we do to start getting ready for this? You have to start looking at your organization, looking at yourself, your career path, whatever it may be, your research group, and saying, where can we take advantage of quantum in new ways and build an attack vector out to some point, you know, two or three years in the future and start planning now because it's going to take you 12 to 24 months to get a team, to get them together, to get them even remotely doing anything productive. This is what we've seen over thousands of people. Like you can't take a software developer and boom, they do quantum. I wish I could. That was one of my original goals, um, but it's just not possible. So, what can you do with them today? Look, you can obviously do a lot of good optimization work. Okay. And, and let's also be honest you can run a QAOA on Classical. You can run a VQE on Classical, right? You don't have to have Quantum, but there are some advantages. I think of John Prescott's, uh, you know, because this is the AI, yeah. you know, podcast, right? I think of John Prescott's paper from December with the team that showed, I think they did, uh, 14 1300 experiments I think on 40 superconducting qubits and they showed an actual advantage like a documental verifiable advantage so they the machines are now at a point where you can start discovering the things that we can do previously I think you know there was enough stability and coherence times and things like that for you to, to do that so we're still in the infancy but think about this IBM gets to 1100 qubits, I think they'll be able to start solving using qubits some of the problems with qubits right like you know yeah. and so i think you're gonna see that go up and i think you see that reflected in their roadmap and other companies roadmaps look at ibm's roadmap it didn't say we go from 127 to 433 to 1100 to 5000 it said somewhere between 1100 and a million right if you look at their roadmap the last part of it's like whoa it could be five do don't know and i think that's because you know the team over there sees the same thing I think the team at Rigetti sees this i think the team at inq sees this and iqm and cold quan and adam and I, I think this is a among hardware people general uh thing that they're like look we're we're on the precipice of of this kind of watershed moment in, in quantum.
0: yeah no so that's 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 amazing and i think as you you've laid out the the roadmap for leaders what they have to start doing today right i mean I have two questions. One of them I'm going to probably do as a follow-up and add it to the show show notes. Is like, where do they learn more? How do they start today? Right, that's number one. Uh, But then I want to actually touch upon the intersection of machine learning and quantum, right? In the remaining time that we have, right? Talk a little bit about like, you know, what does it mean for current machine learning practitioners? And also, is it like, you know, better tools, different tools, different kinds of tools to go solve the same problems you're solving? Is it back to original uh, argument that everybody talks about, more horsepower to the problems that you would otherwise solve. Lay that landscape out for me.
1: Well, obviously quantum's not appropriate for for everything. However, in machine learning, like I said, you've got the John Preskill paper I just mentioned, you have several papers that you can go look at the archive and say, wow, there's really interesting stuff done in in QML. Um, There's obviously an advantage in models to me because of the fact of, of the probability factor, right? So I think, you know, if you're in machine learning, you should be working with quantum like today. Does that mean it's your job uh, immediately? No. Does it mean it's some big pay raise? Does it mean? No, but I'm telling you in the next 12 to 16 months, you'll see those two worlds blend a lot more and a lot more often, You know, both more blend and more frequent blend than we've seen in the last five years that I've been uh, you know, officially kind of working here at Strangeworks. And so what does it mean? Yeah, there you will need some new tools um Mm -hmm. tools to manage tools to inference tools to you know data you'll need new tools because quantum computers don't have memory so you won't be taking a massive data lake and putting it on a quantum computer anytime soon so you have to take some sample of data well how do you sample that data and if you sample it different ways is it different results right so there's a huge greenfield opportunity for companies and individuals in machine learning to start looking into moving into kind of quantum machine learning. And there's a ton of opportunities to create new solutions, that new algorithms, there's a ton of opportunity. I mean, it's a, it's a you know wide open ocean. Um, so, you know, I think that quantum machine learning will be one of the first areas that you start seeing the more approves advantage, more usage, more stuff. And I think as the closer we get to a general purpose quantum computer, you know, the more that will, that, that will happen. Uh, but remember, these machines still don't have memory, right? Uh, We're still running, uh, you know, single things to single qubits, you know, being a laser wire whatever. There's all, there's all, there's all manner of things that, that, that to be solved. But if you're on the software side, quantum machine learning is the on-ramp into quantum computing. It's my opinion. If you know enough Mm -hmm. about machine learning, that's, that's your on-ramp. It doesn't make it easy. If you're debugging it and you have a problem and the problems with, You know, you're writing something for security and you're doing teleportation and you're like, okay, if you don't understand that, I mean, remember the early days of being a computer scientist, uh, a developer, if you will, way back in the day, you had to be an electrical engineer because you had to understand the flow of electricity between the gates.
0: Fast
1: forward to 2023, if you don't understand the physics, you know,
0: you you could be lost. Back in the day, like even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, machine learning engineers and data scientists had to worry about building the infrastructure before they can solve the problems. Not anymore, right? You've created a level of abstraction. That's right. And and this is where like companies like, you know, strange works for your company. You guys can, you're, you know, assuming you're creating that abstraction for more and more people to get into the fold and participate in this revolution as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Awesome. Very cool. I do, um, you know, we're kind of coming up on the time here, uh, any set of resources and maybe you can just do this offline with me, right? Set of resources.
1: Yes. No, no, Yes. I'm happy to say that we have recently contributed to an effort with the world bank and the Linux foundation. It is a Linux, uh, training, Linux foundation training on quantum computing. Okay. And so you can add that to your show notes, just go to Linux foundation training section. I think it's featured. Or you can google linux foundation quantum training yep. that is a free a free course for people to take awesome. it will take you through the basics of the technology a little bit of history how it's being used all those things stack overflow if you're a developer we help found quantum computing still it. a lot of people on there great place to get questions answered Obviously, everyone for Christmas should buy a copy of Quantum Computing for Babies. I'd be remiss not to say that. Uh, but in addition to the Linux Foundation and the Stack Overflow, um, we will be releasing uh, tools to build tools on and everything uh, in the next version of our, our platform on November 30th. And so strangeworks.com is going to be a really good place to come because you will be able to do Quantum Computing without having to have some big monthly contract or have to have some access to a machine. And one of there'll be a dozen ways for you to get Access and do stuff. Because I do think that that creativity and play is super, super important in science, yeah. especially in computer science and quantum computing. That's awesome,
0: Worley. This has been such a blast. Where can the viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Where can they find you on the internet?
1: I'm where wor- I'm, I'm Worley everywhere on Twitter and and everywhere else, even OnlyFans. Um, but just do <laughs> but but wh- where can they find me? You know quantum at strangeworks.com always a good email address to use um because if you email me it could be months before i reply you don't want that (laughs) that. (laughs) Uh, but you know but twitter facebook everywhere it's real easy to find me um it's becoming harder for me to get back to people which makes me feel really horrible but i'm working on that uh and, and a system for hopefully making that better as we get into 2023.
0: you're you're a busy guy changing the world and i really do appreciate you making the time to be here and talk to this audience and also to, you know, to, to, to our relationship and the time that you make for me as well. So thank you so much.
1: Well, Um, thank you for your patience because speaking of getting hard to get a hold of, I believe I had to reschedule you several times and I apologize
0: for everyone. No, no (laughs) worries. This was such a blast. Thank you so much. And, you know, uh, I'm sure like this is definitely given a window into the world of quantum computing for most of the audience. If you're new into this and this is the way, go check out strangeworks.com. I'll add the resources in uh, in the show notes as well. But really, thank you so much for taking the time. That was a blast. Thank you
1: for having me. Appreciate, right. Appreciate
0: you. 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 Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, share with your friends and family. If someone else can learn from this, get inspired and take action, they need to. Number two, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. You can do it at your favorite podcast location or at youtube.com. Number three, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me or my guests. And check out storiesinai.com to access show notes and more resources. Thank you for listening. See you next time.